0: Um, well, we are so excited you guys are here. I mean, this is just, I can't even tell you. I have to take a big, deep breath just to say here we finally are because we've been driving this car for a couple of months, you know, and we have prayed for you and individually for each of you for maybe five or six months. I've prayed about teaching this study for five years, which is very fun and, uh, whether or not the Lord was calling me back to do something like that or not. And at that point he said, it was so funny. I've told my younger girls every time Shay's heard this, every time I would have a great idea, you know, I'm going to teach a study on this. And Donna's heard this too, or this, this, this. And I would drive my van in the parking lot. The Lord was like, Hey, that's a great idea, but not for you. <laughs> oh, rats. You know, and he very clearly, my calling has been my number one, two little disciples, Ben and Joy, you know, and that, they needed to try to see some form of godliness in their mother, you know, not just this, hey, let me dress up and put on my whites and my necklace, show off stuff, you know. But what do you really look like? And your old Navy T-shirt was spit up and stuff like that, you know. So we have prayed for you. We're excited. At first, you know, we're in, in deciding what book are we going to teach? What are we going to do? And all this stuff. You know, you hear the Psalms. You, and at first, our, I think our thought was we did it in 2005, you know, and it was extensive. I mean, there's 150. How long are we doing this Bible study, <laughs> you know? And then the equipping team and Carol and the women's ministry team was very generous with us. And I remember it was so funny. I asked Brian and I asked Buck too because Buck is like, who well, we call him Uncle Buckle for heaven's sakes. But I said, am, am I allowed to pick the psalm I want to teach? And they go, yes, Triss, yes, yeah, that's fine. So Buck and I, the reason it says on the, if you look on the internet, selected or the new psalm study, it's because basically we picked out our favorites. So which was easy peasy. And so you're going to hear from Bo, t- this morning. You're gonna hear from Buck doing psalm 1 and he'll he'll also give us an overview which we need with this hebrew book and then next week i'll do psalm 19 but before we get started kind of i just have kind of a thing about whenever you're going to hear somebody teach you the word or if somebody's going to teach you anything you want to know who the heck is teaching and and what's that lady's name you'll notice i have no name tag Uh, my name is Tristy fisher i'm married to brian fisher he's a senior pastor here at grace bible church my two kids ben and joy my mom barbara and um, we have been married 13 years, and uh, we have two kids, which you know that. Have you noticed? I have not had a second cup of coffee yet, <laughs> purposely, because I was just, I thought, Lord, I'm trusting you for adrenaline. But two kids. Um, I um, was on South of Campus Crusade for Christ for about five years. My disciple, where is she? Where's Sandra? See that lady right there? I sent her a text message. Her birthday was June 1st, and my text message to her, sometimes I think a text message and an email can be, I don't know, just as important and touching as a, as a card. But I wrote to her, and she's going to cry if I say it, but I sent her a text message and said, Thank you for changing my life. She discipled me at Oklahoma State University. You see, she's crying. I told y'all. <laughs> and uh, she and I have lived through life, life death, mar- dating, marriage, miscarriage, what am I missing? <laughs> Support raising. <laughs> not like that that's like death or anything. But, and then finally, Sandy just, you know, I was a television news major at Oklahoma State University. I was convinced this is where God was leading me. I would worked at a couple stations. Man, people in TV need the Lord. You know, David Cooper knows that. We must know that. We worked at TV stations together. I was like, that's where I'm going, Jesus. You know, and Laura's like, is that right? <laughs> Have you read John 15, 16? You did not choose me. But I chose you, that you should go and bear fruit. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. So for five months, I wept and fought the Lord. And the whole time, my gentle, sweet, best pal, Sandra, the whole time said, what do you like to do most? I was like, man, disciple college girls. Teach the word. Share my faith. And thank God I was discipled by an evangelist because I'm an evangelist. And I have other girls in here that I've taught that are evangelists or teachers. And so those are some. Super wonderful people. Um, In my testimony, I was raised in a a, a non-church going home. I did not attend church. Once when I was four, once when I was 17. And this is my mother's favorite part, is I found a track on the... Now, what's really funny is I've been doing ministry, been in ministry about 17, 18 years, and I've never thought this was weird until I heard somebody say this publicly one day, recently, in the last two years, and I thought, man, God, it's cool, (laughs) is I found a track on the ground. Part of my story, no big deal to me. Doesn't everybody do that? You know, and then I was. Mom goes, Tris, that's like really, really, you know, amazing. I found a track on the ground, and the funniest thing is, the only thing I remember about it, it had red carpet, which I, we all know every church should not have red carpet. It's, all, it's a hindrance to the gospel. I'm convinced, you know. So I reached out, I pick up this track. I read as a twelve year old four things that God loved me, that I had sinned, that Christ had died for those sins. And all I had to do was receive him by faith, much in the same way if I'm handing Julie Raymond this Bible, and I say, when does this Bible become Julie's? When does it become yours, Julie? When she takes it. I began to understand it's not an act of religious do's or don'ts and baptismals and confirmations and helping sweet ladies across the street and not doing drugs or smoking or partying or all these kind of things had nothing to do with any of that stuff, but it had all to do with understanding that Jesus Christ had died for my sin, not just the sin of the world, my sin, and I needed to respond. And someday they, God would ask me, what have you done with my gift? And my two favorite Kennedy questions that Sandra trained me to ask for 10 years on a scale of 0 to 100%. If you were to die tonight, how sure are you that you go to heaven? You know, and people usually go, hmm, wasn't thinking about that today, <laughs> you know. Second thing is, um, and if you did die and stand for God, and he said, why should I let you in my heaven, what would you say? And that's what really helps me when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. Because if they say things like, oh, I'm good, or I've been good, or I haven't killed anybody, which is always nice, you know, but I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, then I understand they don't have a complete understanding of the gospel that's free and that you simply have to believe. So at 12 years old, I accept that free gift because, honest to goodness, I didn't want to go to hell. I was like, cool, heaven, hell, I'm there. I'm all there. But being raised in a family where I did not go to church, I had nothing. Literally, I thought to myself as a 12-year-old, I thought, cool. All these people and grown-ups that go to church all their lives to get to this point, I've already gotten there at the age of 12. (laughs) Rock on. I'm ready to live my life, make my mark on society, my first million by the time I'm 30 years old. So I had no idea there was such a thing as discipleship, reading the Word. You know, we had one family Bible that stood like that all the time and it was white and uh so i blew the dust off it one day and started to read it and i was like hey you've already done that you're cool okay well i was about 18 years old and i was very i think the word i think of in high school and college is i was an incredibly ambitious individual not the straight a girl not that ambition (laughs) but i was cool with 3.5 yeah you know but i wanted to have a career i was very focused on what i wanted to do with my life and um, I love people, and I love friends, and clubs, and fun. Yippee! So my mom remembers me sitting down at the dinner table saying, "Now, just so you know, I'm going to graduate with a three-point, and I'm going to um, do. I was going to cheerleading. I'm going to do all this other thing, have fun, all this great time, and then I'll be done with school." And they were like, "Well, you've you've made your goals. So that's great, you know." And then I did the same thing at college. I so said, "I'm having a great time at Oklahoma State. Graduate with a three-point." be really involved in different ministries and have a lot of fun. Because that's, that's really as high as I want to go, you know, academic-wise. It's like, can you try, you know, a little bit? So school was important, but not super important. What was really important to me was people and friendships and ambition and knowing. I mean, I, I, every time I met somebody who said they didn't know what they wanted to do with their lives, I thought, seriously? And I'd already planned out until I was 30, you know. And um, uh, so long way of saying, I was very, very ambitious. I'd wondered around the age of 18 if this was all there was to life. Me having a fantastic career, making a lot of money, maybe going, being married, you know, once, twice, three times, whatever you got going. Um, but I wondered if that's all there was. And the Lord began to move and stir the waters of stagnation. I had no idea there was more. And these three friends invited me to a BSU meeting, and literally, do you know what I thought to myself? I cannot go to a boring Christian meeting because Christians are boring. I mean, I really thought that. That's why I didn't, I was just like, that's the believer's lunch table, going to the fun table, you know. (laughs) And I was like, I I don't want to hang with them. They're no fun. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. So finally, they're on my tail for six months, and I go to a BSU meeting, and I go in, and they begin the worship time, and the speaker gets up, and I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is it. I couldn't understand my friends when they would say, well, I've asked Jesus if I should date him. And I was like, "And what did Jesus say? <laughs> you know, because I was like, that's just weird, you know. And, and Jesus, I prayed about my major. I was like, well, you know, I, just, I didn't get all that. And then as, as I began to grow with the BSU, my first year of uh, freshman year of college, I was like, oh, my gosh. When he's the Lord, he's the Lord. He's the master. You ask him about who you date, what you say, where you go, what organization you join, who you marry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's what it means for him to be the master. And so I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have a decision to make." So, in front of a, I like to say in front of Shannon said this word, in front of a Brady Bunch couch that was green, actually ironically the same couch I trusted Christ in front of at the age of 12. At 19, this tells you how old I am. In 1988, I got on my knees, and, I, and literally, it's funny. Christian people who are raised in the church, they talk church. You know, like, eh, church, rededication, God bless America. I mean, I just, they, they just say these things. Well, when you are not church, you don't talk like that. Sometimes you even swear. You know, you don't even know anything. <laughs> so I was in front of the Brady Bunch couch, and I'm on my knees, and I remember praying, and I remember a conscious, it was almost like stepping into eternity and stepping out, and everything was black, and I felt like God was saying, what are you going to do? And I could see on the left blackness, nothing. And he said, follow me. And I said, well, where are we going? He goes, don't you worry. Follow me. And on this side, I could see Tristy in control, or as we'd say in Campus Crusade, Tristy on the throne, you know. (laughs) And I could see maybe money, maybe position, power. I could also see grief. I could see issues, baggage, problems, unfulfilled, being 55 years old and wondering why the heck did God make me? Which is half the people I, I know now. So here's this blackness. And so I, I, know, I don't know how to receive this or say it properly to the Lord. So I say to the Lord this, Lord, if you want to run my life, I'm going to give you a shot. <laughs> Real church language, you know. And uh, from that day forward, the Lord literally took control of my life. And I knew that God had done something in my life. I don't know if I ever told this to Buck. When she was cutting cucumbers one day and she goes, you know, your life has really changed. I said, how do you know, Mom? Thinking she's seeing some of that stuff they call fruit. Or whatever, you know. And she's chopping cucumbers, and she goes, "You're not swearing as much." <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay." Now, I will say, it was a very, very, very persecutive environment. Uh, just in the sense, I had a lot of friends, lots, lots of friends, but we were party buddies. And so, I remember the phone call from my best guy friend. When I call, I say, "Hey, I hear there's a party tonight," and they go, "Yeah, there is, Tris." So, what time? And they go, oh, we're thinking, you know, I don't know, like eight or something like that. And I said, oh, cool, cool. And they go, but, you know, you don't need to come. You don't need to come. I said, why? And they go, well, you know, because you're doing all this religious stuff now, and you wouldn't be interested in stuff. And I was like, and it was rejection, complete and total rejection for the gospel of Christ. And then I had another friend come by the store I was working at. He says, we've all heard you've gone religious. Too bad. We'll miss you at the parties. Seriously. And for two months, I had no friends. No friends, no phone calls, no dates, no anything. But do you know it was the greatest thing for me to understand that the gospel is the pearl of great price, and it's worth everything, any kind of rejection that you can have. How lucky to be rejected at a young age because I got it. <laughs> I was like, okay, wait, gospel, not cool. It's a Jesus thing, you know, but, but it really made me evaluate, will I hang on to him? Will I obey him? I had been a golden child in many situations, and all of a sudden, I was on the outs. So when I went to the BSU meeting, made my first Christian friends so weird. I'm the nerd that goes, is the book of Job in here? <laughs> you know, and people, I, I love it even now. we have been walking with the Lord 20 years or something like this. I sit next to people at church, and I, I can sense from them their embarrassment and not being able to find the word, and I want to go, sister, do not worry about that. You know, I still can't find some of that stuff. You know, it's like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. But, um, and there's still hymns I don't know, which I, it's funny. Brian, he was raised in a Christian home, and he'll start through the day. Singing a hymn or something fast. I'm like, don't know that one. I don't know that one. I'm sorry. But I do know this by Banana. Banana lived that one, or Bon Jovi. That's helpful. But, um so, as the years progressed, I was at Oklahoma State. I got discipled by Sandra Ireland over here. Kylie, uh, my friend, uh, wait, not ki- wait, I've had, ki- I've discipled a Kylie, a Kaylee, Keely, Fernald. Kylie. Kylie Fernald was my first discipler. And I was, as I like to say, Kylie kicked me in the tail and then Sandy put me back together. Because Kylie was the kind of discipler, which every girl needs. She gets in your face and she goes, Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your motive for wanting to be important? Why are you teaching? Why are you dressing like all, are you kind of consumed by materialism here? You know, I mean, she was like, and I remember going, good night. This is like boot camp, you know, for the faith, you know. And I remember this really fun person named Sandy who I like to laugh with, and she was a Christian, so that was cool. So, um, but I needed Kylie. I needed Kylie to break me. Again, I must have needed a heck of a lot of breaking from the Lord. So I'm in Sandy's Bible study. She challenges me to pray about going on a staff or crusade. I fight the Lord. And John 15, 16 wins out. So I go on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I'm on staff with Campus Crusade for five years. I prayed for an assignment at Texas A&M University because somebody had been transferred here the year before, and I thought, I want to be trained by the best. And so Sandra trained me as a new staff girl. And with privilege to see, I had 12 girls that were freshmen when I got them. They stayed together all four years, all but one still walking with the Lord and then um, continued to disciple women for the next few years, whether I was on staff with Crusade or uh, volunteering at Grace, and some of my girls are here right now, which is very, very fun. I met a real hottie pastor. (laughs) Actually, I was discipling his cousin, so she likes to take all the credit. Emily likes to take all of the credit. She's like, you know, I did that, and I'm like, no, no, God did it Emily, you know. (laughs) She's like, well, I kind of did it too, you know. I was like, yeah, God used you. I never (laughs) wanted to date or marry a pastor. He never wanted to date or marry a pageant girl. I used to do pageants to put myself through college, did stand-up comedy as my talent, and he was like, oh, I bet they're all foo-foo and plastic and big hair. And first time I met him, I had no makeup on and a Duke basketball hat. And he was like, maybe she's cool. And on the only pastors I ever met were the kind of guys It was like, God bless you. Aren't you a sweetie, darling? You know, and I was like, stay away, you know. So I meet Brian, and I was like, he's real deal. Wow. So we date. We fall in love. He is God's man. I am God's woman. We get married. And we still... Live happily ever after. We prayed for babies, and God gave us two babies. And good things come to those who wait, as you know. My favorite Brian quote for this is, and Aaron, we've talked about this, the things that will withstand the fire must first pass through the fire. So we had four years of infertility, and then I had a little boy named Benjamin. And then I lost three babies, and I had a failed adoption, and I had a successful adoption, and that baby's name is Anna Joy Elizabeth. And so we love our babies It's a pleasure to get to be with y'all. I love uh, our church. We are the greatest church in America. Can I say that on tape? (laughs) Is that okay? I mean, like, really. I'm so proud of our church and how we understand that each one of us is a missionary. Do you have the gospel? You're a missionary. Have you read the word? You can teach it. We have people that love. We have people that serve. We have people that care. We are the greatest church in America, but only by God's grace. But only by God's grace. The reason we're going to do this, one of my favorite reasons we doing the Psalms, I was thinking about it last night. Funniest thing is, again, non-Christian background, I didn't know what to read. I had an older lady, sweet, sweet lady in a Southern Baptist church that very gently popped me on the shoulder, and I said, I don't have enough quiet time. I don't know what this means. And she goes, read the Psalms and the Proverbs for the day. And so I was you know, like, what's today? I can't think. 10th? 10th? Thank you very much, Erin. I appreciate that. So I would read, what, Psalm 9, Proverbs 9. Woo! That was my quiet time, and I took notes on it, because I didn't know how. Nobody had trained me. Yet. I, hadn't seen, I hadn't met Sandra yet. So that's what I did. And so it was very funny, because for two years, all I studied was the Psalms and the Proverbs. Now, it never was humorous to me until later, until I realized, you know, there's more than 31 of them. <laughs> 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 and I remember this older lady friend of mine, she goes, you know, you can keep going keep reading the word, you know, keep, uh, it goes to 105, 150 trist. If you want to keep on reading the Psalms, I was like, it does, <laughs> you know, but basically God in his beauty and genius and glorious sense of humor was, I was in a little greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And so literally I almost memorized all 30, uh, 31 Psalms, all 31. There's 31, right? Yeah. Proverbs. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> memorized them without even knowing it. Cause I was just, that's all I was exposing myself to for two years. So here's why I'm excited we're doing the Psalms. Not only did it change my life personally, but I think it reveals two things to us. One, it reveals the heart of God. It reveals the heart of God and who he is. Two, it reveals the heart of humanity. Would you not agree? It reveals the heart of humanity. Who are you? The heart of God and the heart of humanity. I love the heart of God. It's like, who is he? Well, his voice can break the cedars of Lebanon. He calls himself the Good Shepherd. I love, you know, Psalm 18, the, the, the beautiful picture of smoke billowing out of his nostrils. He reached down and rescued me because he delighted in me and set me in a broad place. He calls himself a shepherd. He, there is anger when there's sin. He's also loving kindness. Everybody know that Psalm? His, his loving kindness endures forever and again. And again, and again. So when somebody says to me, "Well, who is God like? What is, what is this God, this triune God you keep talking about? I have Hindu friends. I have 5,000 of them. And it's like, who is this one true God? It's like, read the Psalms. You will know who God is and his heart for the world. But honestly, even more than his heart for the world, just his own identity and attributes. Heart for humanity, point two. I love it because primarily through David, asap others, but primarily through David, I see how I struggle I see how I fear, I see how I, I weep, I see how I rejoice, and I dance for joy. And I say, I can, rec- I, can, I can recognize and live through all of those emotions and understand them. God understands humanity. The Psalms give us an appreciation for the heart of God. Who is he? And the heart of humanity. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, one of the reasons I, I chose Psalm 51 to teach in the morning I'm convinced if you, if you understand Psalm 51, you have a tool for the rest of your life. If you can walk through life as a believer and understand how to appropriate Psalm 51 and your need for forgiveness in your relationships and with the Lord and understand that He will remake you, the bones that thou hast broken, he, he will remake, it's a tool of repentance. Uh, a lot of you all know through email, face-to-face, Facebook, that our goals going in, were, um, refreshment in his word, learning something about God, learning something about yourself. We want to bring you through the desert that this year I know has been for many of you and that this would be a place of rest. And the picture I have in my mind is in Israel where I walked a mile. They didn't tell me it was a mile. <laughs> a mile through white, chiseled, dirty, dusty cliffs, sky high. And you see the little Heinz feet? You know the little Heinz feet on high places? You see him bouncing and bouncing. And you're like, all the way until you get to David's hideout in Getty. And water is spewing out of the rock. And it's unreal. Because you're like, I mean, you're so deadened by the white limestone. And it's just never going to stop. And it's so dry and dusty. And then you come to this glorious paradise. And people are literally jumping the ropes illegally (laughs) to get into the water and to feel it and to look at it and go, how in the heck did the Lord do this? A little spot called Anggeti. Our prayer is that this is your En This is your resting place. This is your pool of refreshment. It's not going to be intense. We're going to love the word and learn the word together. My prayer for you is, is four words. I prayed it last night. And this is what I, I would ask you to pray for yourself. If you want to write it down, that's cool. If not, you don't have to. But... I'm convinced that those whom not only God uses, but God allows to know himself, are those who hear him. It's no coincidence that when they put together the Bible study, they said, it's a musical book. There's melody in it. My prayer is, change me to hear you. That's my own personal prayer. Change me to hear you. If you can't hear him, you can't be convicted. If you can't hear him, you can't grow. Right? I, I emailed Buck and Carolyn and asked him, I said, you know, we're big visionaries here, the three of us, wherever Carolyn is too. And I said, Buck, what is your prayer for the group? And listen to what he said. I love this quote. Buck's comment was, and his prayer for you you guys, and the evening study that our co-ed evening study that Buck will be teaching, that they find permission from God to praise, weep, confess, and rest in him alone. Isn't that powerful? I love that. They find permission from God. To praise, weep, confess, and rest in Him alone. And Carolyn's the same, powerfully impacted me. That each person would receive a tune up to their heartstrings of worship and that their souls would be refreshed. Again, our Engedi prayer. I'll be teaching Psalm 19 ne- next week. Um, then we are off that next week for, uh, I was about to say, VBS sports camp. And uh, as many of you know, we, we have a schedule. We're going to be doing some different stuff. Buck will do an evening study. Men are, that's, It was originally, I think, a guy's thing, but now it's become this beautiful co-ed thing. So we're praying it'll be a date night for a lot of folks. And so Buck will teach that at night, and I'll be teaching the Wednesday morning Bible study. And I'll teach four to five times is what I'm thinking. Um, Buck mentioned observation is the key. Interpretation is understanding why. Application is how it applies to you. 99% of believers, as we've all done Bible study together, walk away with, what does it mean to me? They open up to Sermon on the Mount. They open up to 2 Samuel chapter 1. They open up to Leviticus 10. They open up to anything. And they say, how does this affect me? Well, we all know, as growing Bible students, that the proper way of reading any text, of reading any Bible verse, Bible story, whatever, is to step back. Look at the text, in a sense unemotionally, without presupposition, and investigate, just like Buck said, be a minor, be a detective. You're getting to the bottom of this doggone thing, right? The trick is, is to put yourself aside and read it for the way the author has written it, right? Uh, Some of us have been doing Believing God um, in the last year, I guess. And uh, so we love haga. Man, that's our word. We chew all the time. And I was laughing because Don and I have been in this together. And I remember being in Israel and watching Orthodox men with their curls. And, and I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't look at women. And I go, hey, Brian, I tried to smile at this man and he wouldn't smile at me. Brian goes, Trissy, he can't look at you. let <laughs> like, oh. But they would literally walk. And I was like, okay, is he crazy? You know, and then I realized, no, he's reciting uh, Psalm. Blessed are those when brothers dwell in unity. Was that you wrapped the neck. Anyway, the only Hebrew song my children know, and um, and the quail children know, and it's very very funny. But the point is, is that he is constantly muttering, he is constantly chewing, he is constantly thinking. This is my uh, hands in the dishwater. Principle for me. This is my folding towels idea. If if Brian has the kids' attention, I have two seconds to think in English. <laughs> you know, I'm meditating. I'm chewing, and I love how Buck said, "What does it mean?" It's not just, yeah, you know, how blessed is man? That's <laughs> man so cool, so cool about the tree. You know, I want to be the tree. Good for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's going to get you to be the tree? How are you really going to be affected by this study? It's to do it, for one. (laughs) It's to pray over it. It's to live in a spirit of confession, to live in cleanliness in your relationships with others and with the Lord. And it's to dig deeply, to haga, to chew, to chew. I remember one time we had two or three times where our Bible said, we had to just close it up, and Sarah was in the same one, too. And it was like, we would just say, this one word is killing us. Inheritance, nakala. Inheritance. I have an inheritance. I'd be doing the dishes going... Man, I got an inheritance in a color. Wow. And what does that mean? Okay, the A-H means this, and the da means this. Or even my absolute literal two favorite Hebrew words this year are in Buck's study today. Delight is Hephzibah. And my daughter's nickname is Hephzibah because she brings us delight. And our other favorite Hebrew word was Haggah, as we mentioned, meditate. My favorite things, I do this with Brian because one time um, I told him that um, he did a great job this is years and years ago, I think I told Shannon about this too because she, she does it very well with her husband, is you never tell a pastor or husband, hey, great job, good talk. That's not how guys work. <laughs> you have to say these three specific things I really, really liked. So for Uncle Buckle, I wrote out my favorite things. I love that he said you have to be careful with the hallelujah and the praise of the Lord's. And I thought, how marvelous. What if, what if the one lesson I learned this year is how to walk away and not just go, Oh, you got that job, girl. Praise the Lord. But that we praise the Lord specifically, right? We give him hallelujah, hello. We give it specifically, maybe even with a Bible text in mind, but we don't use it lightly. I like, I love the phrase proper smallness. That's my favorite thing I tell Brian all the time. I'm a claw or a cog in the wheel, man. Proper smallness, let the box out. The Bible assumes you know the Bible. Isn't that great? I was like, whoops. And then 50% of the New Testament is the Psalms. That Jesus expects us, as we interpret Sermon on the Mount, as we interpret the book of John, my favorite gospel, that you have read and are familiar with Hebrew, Judaistic thought. He expects you to understand that. That's why when we hang out, we do Jews for Jesus or Chosen People Ministries. I love Mitch because we talk about it all the time. You know, it's like Jesus was a Jew, and therefore he expects that I understand certain principles in the Old Testament. I've if you will. I like that uh, wisdom is skill. Brian is trying to teach our son that. Ben knows a lot. He knows a lot. And he's the justice police. (laughs) But he knows a lot, and so I'm trying to help him understand. Brother, you can know a lot and be a Pharisee if you don't live skillfully. And then, of course, as Ben mentioned, as uh, Ben, sorry. Well, you know, it's kind of a guy is too inactive. I want to show you really quickly a little quick two-second thing. Uh, Next week, we're going to do Psalm 19 together. And as Buck said, I'm going to expect that you guys have already read it. Maybe Buck has a fantastic thing here. Uh, Read it two or three times. Mark that bad boy up. You mark it up the way you want to. If you want to circle happy words, square the verbs, highlight in pink, you know, whatever, really the issue is not the system and how you do it. It's that you develop a system. Does that make sense? So I did two for you here. I don't know if you can see my Psalm 1. I did this for kicks when I was putting my, my daughter down last night. <laughs> Everything that's the wicked, I did a triangle around. Wicked, triangle. You, do it with me right now, if, if you'd like to. Get your pen out. Do a triangle over. Every time you see the word wicked, triangle, wicked, 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 wicked. Check out how many wicked or sinner or scoffer. One, two, three. How many are there? Four, five, six, seven. There's seven in there, right? How many times is the name of the Lord written in there? Is Yahweh's name? Once. Once. How many times is, is the word blessed, happy, straight, asher, joyful written in there? Once. How is this psalm braided together, if you will? I love this. Anna Joy was almost asleep when I... I, I like to do Bible study right next to the, I do it at night sometimes. Yeah, you know, I, I had this perspective for years that Sandy was, you have to have a quiet time in the morning, and if you don't, that's bad. So now I know, do it whenever you can. You know. And so for me at night, that is my time of worship, putting my children to bed, sitting there and doing it. What I love, look, see my arrow? He starts talking about the wicked. He ends talking about the wicked. Do you think he's trying to make a point? Right? This is our goal. This is our happy, happy, joy, joy application. This is our prayer for one another as a body. This is a description of the wicked. And he is trying to frighten you that it's possible for you to stand, to sit, to these things, the progression. What I love about this is that I have one of my very best friends. Her name is Amy McGuffey, and she's prayed for me for 15 years, Psalm 3. That is her life prayer for me, that I'll be like a tree. and we always write it out. Firmly planted. How planted? Firmly. That's an interpretive question, isn't it? Where? By streams of water. Why? So it yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. There are so many times when I was doing something and I felt, I felt spiritual warfare, and discouragement, that I'd be walking and I'd think, its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. I'm Haggai. His leaf does not wither. You told me, Lord, my leaf will not wither. And then I love. And whatever he does, he prospers. How does prosper look? I don't know. <laughs> you might have a happy day of obedient children and praise God for that, you know. You may achieve your weight goals if you are working on exercise stuff. You may have a a great reconciliation time with your husband tonight. You may actually read the word. You may stay away from the party crowd. You may do whatever. But I'm convinced when God says he prospers, he means for me personally, one thing, I give you myself. I give you myself. It's great to have all these things. Money, money. Food, etc., etc., happy, happy joy joy. I get to shop all these wonderful worldly things. But so much of this is tied, as Buck said, in a parallel between the wicked and the righteous. I am convinced the greatest thing God gives us is His forgiveness, but even most importantly, Himself. In all that He does, He prospers. How are you going to define a prosperous day today as you drive home? How will you haggah that? How you chew on that? Turn the radio off. Let the kids do whatever. I'll pray that they're quiet. And try to haggah on your way home. Or if you have some time in the bathroom <laughs> today, you can think to yourself, how will I view this day as a day in which I was like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water? How will I prosper today? Or perhaps you're shaking in your boots a bit right now going, you know, I ain't being like no tree, girl. <laughs> Right now, I'm kind of chilling with some sinners, some scoffers, and some mockers. Lord, help me disentangle myself from them. Have the bravery to move away from them. To be lonely. To not have friends. To look for Christian friends who value God's word and want to learn it. Two things live for eternity, don't they? The word of God and the souls of men. I like how Buck mentioned omnipotence. Perhaps that's the most beautiful thing in this whole text. Um very quickly you've seen uh I have a real pretty black and white. I've noticed that many of you have a color cover, lucky dogs. Okay, here you are, right? Um, Psalm nineteen, Bucks is you're gonna notice we're we're kinda we're gonna jump around a little bit, right? I'm just gonna can I use yours, Aaron, real quick. Isn't that pretty? Check out, uh, is it jombe? What's that thing called? The jombe thing? Oh that too. Oh, that little hitting instrument <laughs> is um, we put, it, this is very clear. Just read this on your own. It, Buck really covered a ton of worship stuff in the beginning. Here's your order. I'm going to, if you want to put a T by the ones I'll teach, I'll tell them to you right now. I'm going to teach Psalm 19 next week, though. Buck and I have it a little bit out of order. When you're with me, you'll receive Psalm 19 next week. Then next week we have what? Woohoo! Sports camp, that's right. Psalm 23, I'm going to teach. Psalm 51, To me, for me personally, the most pivotal psalm in, in all 150 of them. If you can do Psalm 51, you can walk with the Lord for a lifetime. I'm going to teach Psalm 139 and Psalm 150. Uncle uh, I mean, <laughs> Buck Anderson, Dr. Anderson, is going to be teaching the other psalms in the evening in the co-ed study. Hopefully lots of guys. But I know for a lot of couples, it's going to be a date night. So we're really, really excited about that. If you would like to read the observation section, if you're unfamiliar on how to do observation, this is fantabulous. But again, let it be a tool and not a, an issue of legalism for you. Oh, I didn't read it. I don't know how to do it. Okay? Observations are great. Shannon can tell you this right now. Observations, I've taught my girls. They teach you to what? Observe. Right? Mark that bad boy up however you want to. If you want to make your verbs pink, fine. If you want to triangle the wicked, fine. However you want to do it. But the point is, like I want you to see, okay, you just saw my Psalm 1. I did that Psalm 1 last night. Look at my Psalm 19. If you'll start this week, you will be shocked at how much time you'll go back. Now look at Psalm 19, what that looks like. Right? Now, how long have I been working on that? Right at about two weeks. Right at about two weeks. Take little bits of time every day to haggah, right, to think about it. He, he mentions to read it two or three times. It's fantabulous because then you're really going to get a taste of it. Many of my things, I love this. Shannon. I, I like to draw arrows to things that are related. I like to divide them up. This is, I write all right stuff. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the how. This is the why. This is the who. I write out my own little verbal things. And then I go through and I do my observations. Remember, no observation is wrong. The heavens declare. Really? Yeah. It's observation number one. That is the the skill, probably the most marketable skill you can learn now as you learn to study the Word. I know we have stuff to do and babies to be picked up. Shall Shall we end this wonderful morning in prayer? What a privilege to get to meet and pray in a free country. I thank God for that last night. Again, you'll hear me talk a lot about folding towels because I do a lot of that. But God speaks to me when I fold towels sometimes. So thank God for our free country, for this great church, for Buck Anderson coming and giving us vision and heart for his word. Jesus, we recognize that you are the giver of all good things. I thank you that you have given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. I thank you that your word is true. Father... For weeks we've prayed, and and I I still pray the same thing, believing in faith. As my friend Kelly said, put your foot in the Jordan, Tristy. I put my foot in the Jordan believing that you will do something this summer in my own life and in my friends' lives by studying your word, observing things we've never seen, digging out the nuggets, the diamonds of faith and the diamonds of truth and actually having and comprehending understanding to apply it. Help us as we do the dishes, make dinner, uh, parent children, break up arguments between children, drive to get groceries, whatever the heck we are doing, we are living in a state of worship, giving you worth-ship. We want to give you a lot of weight, Lord, by living holy lives. Fill us with your Spirit, we know we cannot obey. We can't want to open your word. I can't have a desire to tear that thing up and mark it up and be interested without the power of your spirit. Give us desire. Give us motivation. Give us fellowship and love among one another. But most, most, most importantly, may you receive glory and honor and praise and dominion. And as we leave here uh, in the summer, at the end of the summer Bible study, that this will be a rich, rich sense of... Um, growth and that you would receive the incense of worship in jesus name amen we'll see you next week 9 30 you got psalm 19 all marked up and we'll go to 10 on that thanks ladies